This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. And welcome to the Spirit Lounge on Joy 94.9. And you're joined, joining us tonight, you're joining Mark and... Claudine. Claudine. And Rachel have made it into the second studio. Wow, that was running from one studio to the other. Yes. Literally. Good exercise. You've had a busy night. I have. It's only, you're only halfway through. I know. Are you sick of my voice yet? No. Hopefully not. So we have a, a, a busy night on the Spirit Lounge tonight. We're going to be, uh, later on tonight, we're going to be talking to Carly Greening, who's a missionary in Africa. But before we get to there, we have a couple of uh, holidays of the week to talk about and a few other bits and pieces along the way. So, Are you going to sing a holiday theme tonight for us, Mark? In respect to our faithful <laughs> listeners, I think that's probably not the best idea. Oh. And I really, I, you do it so well. We really, I, it's, it's a highlight of the show. So I why don't you go that for I, it? I need to come up with something new and different. I need like a bit of a drum beat and be like, holy day of the week, yeah. Something like that. Does that work? That was wonderful. All right. Can here it is. That? We still have to make that recording, <laughs> that booking to, to record a few different versions of the song. Ten different versions of Holy Days of the Week. But hold on to that because I think we had some we had a, some announcements to begin with about um, we events of today. do. So this is something that was brought to my attention this afternoon um, as people around Melbourne and any other capital city or anywhere in Australia really would probably know that there is um, some important news going on about uh, refugees and uh, being, uh, there being 267 people, including 37 babies, uh, who are refugees that could be sent to uh, detention centres in Nauru. Um, we were lucky enough to see the march out the window tonight. It was incredible. You might have heard it if you were listening to the Chris and Cam show because it was quite loud. Um, so Brisbane's St John's Anglican Cathedral, amongst other churches, have declared a place of sanctuary for asylum seekers facing deportation uh, after yesterday's High Court decision allowed for their imminent removal to Nauru. Uh, So, basically, um, the orders have been left uh, to for them to leave Australia within 72 hours. Um, So, basically, churches, uh, starting with the Anglican Church, but there's been uniting churches as well that have come on board, and I'm sure by this evening many, many other churches have come on board to make their churches as a sanctuary for asylum seekers to stay, and so they, they don't get... Um, deported? Is that the correct word that to would use? Be right, yep. Yeah, so uh, it's a hugely significant action for any Australian church to take, and historically, churches have afforded sanctuary to those seeking refuge from brutal and op- oppressive forces. Uh, 
You can get more information about it from the Australian Churches Refugee Task Force, which is www.acrt.com.au. And if you're part of a church, you can pass this information on to your churches to become a sanctuary for asylum seekers. And you can sign up on this website. And if you are a refugee and you may face deportment, you can go on here and see local church local churches in any part of Australia that um, may be able to, to give you refuge, refuge and sanctuary. So, so big thanks, news. Yeah. I mean, thanks for sending that along, Rachel. As we've said, it is a, a long – churches have had a long tradition of um, giving sanctuary to people on the run from the law for whatever reason, legitimate or not. And this, it's really great to see churches – pretty much uniting on this on this issue. Yeah, definitely. There's so many things that pull churches apart, but this is an incredible opportunity for churches to work together for the good of Australia as a whole. And I think I heard on, on the, um, the Joy News broadcast earlier that the immigration minister said that the churches, um, that they're not going to be breaking into churches to pull refugees out. So that's a hopeful sign. Yeah. Yeah. It, in my understanding is there is uh, some sort of historic precedent that might make the legalities of that somewhat complicated. So it's going to be an interesting few days. And it's a great, as you say, it's a great initiative of a number of churches. I know there's a Baptist church, I believe, in Coburg that has offered itself as a sanctuary. So it's a great thing to see so many different denominations um, combining to, to one cause, which is you know often what religions aspire to do, but uh, are not so great at achieving it all the time. So it's really great to see see this this great initiative happening here in our country. It's Definitely, great. and as it unfolds over the next few days and even the next week, we're gonna have updates on our Facebook and Twitter, no doubt. So please jump on board and have a look and and just. Do your part to help wherever you can as well, because who knows, maybe these churches will need help feeding the people as well. So whatever we can do to lend a hand, you know, do something nice. Be a good citizen. And um, if we, um, I think we've had the holy date date thing again. So (laughs) Rachel's been talking a lot tonight, so I won't won't get her to sing it again. But it does seem, um, does feel like good timing as the... um, Christian churches are leading up to one of the holiest seasons of the year. That's the season of Lent, which comes up to, um, which is the six and a half weeks preceding Easter. So it's really a time when churches and Christians pull back a bit and think about what, think about our faith, think about um, what the Christian gospel is about, what the message is, and and engage in, in reflection and action. Um, so there's a few Christian observances that are related to this time, which really take Christians from one extreme to the other in terms of the the life of the church and and in different ways of recognizing um, recognizing the faith. So the first that's coming up is the Feast of the Transfiguration, and as with some other Christian feasts, we can't quite agree on the date for this so there's a couple of different dates the traditional one is the 6th of august yes typical christians not agreeing about things (laughs) so the the traditional date for the transfiguration is the 6th of august but some churches have started celebrating it um, on the last sunday before lent and that's this sunday coming up 
So the Transfiguration celebrates a turning point in the gospel stories when Jesus takes three of his disciples to the top of a mountain and appears in a kind of mystical vision with Moses and Elijah by his side, those the um, no, Moses, the Jewish leader, and Elijah, the prophet. And the disciples hear what they, well, they hear a voice, which I take to be the voice of God saying, this is my son, the beloved, listen to him. So this is really a point where the, the you get, you start to get the idea that Jesus isn't just another prophet. He's not, and he's not just some kind of political rev- revolutionary, but he's the son of God and the rest of the the gospel stories is trying to work out what that actually means. Um, so that's this Sunday. And after that, we're coming up to Lent, which is the seizing of, season of fasting and sacrifice before Easter. Um, but because it's such a penitential period, we need a big fat party to, to <laughs> prepare us for that. So Lent begins on Ash, Ash Wednesday. That's, Ash, that's Wednesday next week. So the day before Ash Wednesday has a few different names, Shrove Tuesday, Pancake Tuesday, Fat Tuesday, or Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras being French for Fat Tuesday. Um, So because traditional Lenten practices involve giving up excessive eating and drinking, this Tuesday is like the last chance to pig out before the long period of of fasting that comes. So the... Tradition of Fat Tuesday has then continued even for people who don't necessarily follow it up with fasting and penitence. And there's a few different examples of this. The Rio Carnival is one of the biggest festivals of this period, and it's, at, it's actually start, starting on Friday and continues until Wednesday. In English-speaking countries, this Tuesday's become associated with pancakes for some reason. So Joy sponsors <laughs> the Pancake Parlour have been celebrating Pancake Tuesday for many years. They used to hold a pancake race in the city, and clergy from St. Paul's Cathedral would bless the runners before the race, so they're not doing that anymore, but they're still doing other um, special events for pancakes, including, I think this year, they're giving out free pancakes to commuters at Flinders Street Station. So if oh, well, even if I'm not commuting, I'm going to go there yeah, and get me some pancakes. Taking the train into this, I think they're really small ones, like bite-sized pancakes, but still, <laughs> free pancakes on Tuesday morning. Um, and Mardi Gras is a big, has become a big festival. And I was actually looking this up before, trying to work out the connection between the religious Mardi Gras and festivals like the Sydney Mardi Gras. Um, and slightly embarrassed to say I haven't found a connection. So just big party. I, it may just be that it's a great big party. So, but if you happen to know the how uh, how the Sydney Mardi Gras chose to adopt Mardi Gras, do send us a text um, to zero four two seven joy nine four nine or email us at onair at joy and tell us what is the connection between Sydney Mardi Gras and Fat Tuesday. So it, like it's a, I wonder whether it's to, it comes out of the New Orleans Mardi Gras, which is kind of a bit of mixture of Christianity and voodoo and 
I a think, whole heap yes. of things mixed in together, and I wonder whether there's sort of a bit of a sideways in towards the LGBTI rights, whether it comes out of that. I'm, I'm just wondering a, whether there might be a bit of yeah. – that might be the link across. Isn't there a southern decadence? Is, is that that's the LGBT kind of response to Mardi Gras in, in New Orleans, um, sort of showing our ignorance here? But there is um, – it may be just – it's a big party that, that happens in the week's – prior to spring in the Northern Hemisphere, so that might be part of it as well. It also could be a little bit um, tongue-in-cheek, taking a religious festival and, and making it on its it head. Yeah. Well, well, since since the Christians started off taking other people's festivals, why not? Why not? And you're listening to the Spirit Lounge. And tonight we're talking, uh, well, at the moment we're talking about uh, Mardi Gras, with Transfiguration, Ash Wednesday. It's all the holy days. All Tuesday. It's all happening now, isn't it? Really. And I was. You were saying before, Claudine, about uh, how the clergy of St Paul's used to bless uh, some runners in a pancake race in Melbourne. That's. I never actually got to see it, but it's. You know, I can't even flip a pancake standing still, so I don't know how you would race with pancakes. Well. You know, funnily enough, I've actually raced in a pancake race, and I, can't, I, don't, I don't, I don't think I could flip a pancake either. But the whole the story goes that uh, many years ago, when I was a student, and when you're a student, you'll do anything for a bit of money. You I, get money I, for it. I got money for it. Yeah, you, but you've got to listen to why I, how okay. the reason I got paid for it. I used to work for a, a supermarket chain, and our mascot was a rooster. <laughs> And one of the gigs that I managed to somehow get was I used to be the store mascot. So every day, every Shrove Tuesday, the Pancake Parlour used to run a pancake race, flipping pancakes on the street, main street of town where I grew up. And they would get all the local um, mascots from the local football club or there was a 10 pin from a bowling alley. <laughs> There was and there was me dressed up as a rooster, and the idea was that we picture it. You could just imagine it. There's me as a rooster. There's an Easter bunny. Didn't have a tail because some child had torn it off the day before. Only a few weeks early. Yeah, you know there was a duck, a ten pin. There was probably a chocolate bar of some description, and goodness knows what else. All dressed up, running along, trying to flip pancakes whilst doing it. So you've got the pan and a. Is it an already cooked pancake or is your pan just hot? Or like, how does this work? How does it work? They were cold pans and they were pre-cooked pancakes ah. because the thing is you can't Prepared see. earlier. So you're looking through two tiny little eyes about five centimetres in front of your face. So you can't see where you're going. <laughs> it was hot. It and did you have hideous. big goofy feet? I had. The, it was the full shebang. So it was a rooster and a pair of overalls, big feet. <laughs> Um, photo in the local newspaper, an I, action shot while you're while you're flipping. Uh, look, there was no flipping going on. It was it was it was enough of a challenge to stay upright and not run into another mascot and there to be carnage in the main street of town with heads rolling off or whatever. It would have been quite horrific. <laughs> the bunny uh, already lost its tail. Who knows what else? The bunny had already the lost its tail. Uh, the rooster was still intact um, and, well and did manage to make it. I think it was won by the ten pin. Uh, from memory, but you'd well, have that's... to ask my mum. I think she was the only spectator for the whole event. It was quite <laughs> horrific. So there were more there were more races than actual spectators. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. But anyhow, look, it was it's something that you know it's a great story that I have lived to tell the tale of, and and sort of gets into pancake and pancake Tuesday. You wonder why it's pancake Tuesday? Simple answer is Lent. You need to give something up. Traditionally, you'd give up sugar. It's something sweet, something that's it was a bit of a luxury. So 
What do you put in pancakes? Sugar. sugar. So it's a way to use up your sugar. Oh, of course, before... um. If you went, it, no, no, you don't put sugar in the fridge. What am I talking about? <laughs> well, but you've, if you you've want, got a whole, you've got a, you, you haven't used up sugar. You've still got this pile of sugar that you need to put into something before you give it up. So make a big pancake. And then buy a lemon and put lemon and sugar on top. <gasps> exactly. So there you go. So that's All why you, sugar. so that's the story behind pancakes for Shrove Tuesday. And, sh- and um, just to get onto that funny word Shrove, which the past tense of, Shrive, which is an, I think it's an old word for absolve, which is one thing um, people would get absolve of their sins before Ash Wednesday, or is it Easter? Uh, don't ask me. I only have I think two thirds of a degree. <laughs> aren't you? Aren't you supposed to be? Might be wrong here, but aren't you supposed to be repenting for your sins in the run up to Easter? Yep. So that when Easter happens, being the holiest day of the Christian calendar, you are. Absolved of your sins for that time. That was my understanding. Might that's, be wrong. that's one understanding, but um, I think there's also part of the... Um, I think there's absolution during Lent, but there's also this other... The shriving part, um, which comes on, on Tuesday. I'm on Shrove Tuesday. I'm making a fool of myself now, but, um, but it's, it's a... Yeah, it's... I mean, there's... You can be absolved multiple times. Funny enough, in my very Christian upbringing, we didn't do things like Lent and celebrate Shrove Tuesday. Of course, Easter was huge in the church that I grew up in, but none of this um, pre-Easter celebrating was a thing. Yeah, I think that, I mean, that just shows how diverse Christianity is. There's, I guess there's, um, there's a lot of traditions that are, traditional that that make a big deal about um preparation and and you know we have what we call the the liturgical year so there's a and it's it's a cycle of three years where you read certain parts of the bible over the year and over the period of three years so there's always certain readings that will come up at at easter and so some churches have a thing called a lectionary which is a list of all the Bible readings for each Sunday of the year, and whereas in other in other churches that's um, there's more flexibility. There's you know people will preach a series of sermons on readings that they choose over a number of weeks, whereas um, in other you know in the sort of liturgical traditions they'll they'll use a lectionary so that every church in that tradition is using the same reading every week. Definitely. And something that just came to mind is if any of our listeners ever have a holy day or a tradition that they have brought, been brought up with, with whatever religion or spirituality you may have followed, and we don't bring it up, please let us know. So you can email us at onair at joy.org.au or jump on our Facebook page, definitely. So the Spirit Lounge on Joy, uh, and that will come to us and we can definitely talk about it because we don't want to miss any of it. You can even tweet to us at Spirit Lounge Joy. You can. So if you're in the Twitter sphere, tweet at Spirit Lounge on Joy. So we've talked a bit about about sugar and uh, fat and grease. And of course, the um, the reason that some of us are eating a lot of sugar at this time is that we're about to give give up sugar or 
fat or meat or alcohol or something else during the 40 days of Lent. Um, My partner likes to give up giving up things. That will be yes. what he will tell me next week. I'm giving up giving up things. Well, you see, we've got these traditions and then there's these modern takes on the traditions. So the, you know, the Catholic and Orthodox churches have rules about giving up meat or alcohol, but other people, I'll be giving up. Um, people give up Facebook over Lent. I will probably be giving up computers for or technology or social media for part of the time but i can't do that all the time because i have to work in that um in that field <laughs> but um and we were wondering earlier whether whether febfast was another of these secular adaptations of of lent since a lot of people give up alcohol at this time so it's um we'll be talking about lent and easter in the following weeks as we come up to um easter which is sort of what what the whole um, whole point of this is. Um, so on Wednesday, th- coming up, is Ash Wednesday when some Christians will be going to church and having people put a smudge of ash on their foreheads and will be given the words, um, remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return. So that's beginning our period of repentance. So thanks for joining us tonight, everyone. You are on the Spirit Lounge, and we are so lucky to have a very special guest, uh, I can say all the way from Africa, because Carly has spent so much time in Africa in the last few years. So Carly's a missionary who's working in Arusha in Tanzania for the Joshua Foundation. So hi, Carly. Thanks for taking time whilst you're in Australia to speak with us. Hi, how are you? No problem at all. It's great to be able to connect in with um, with people and to be able to connect in with your radio station and all of your listeners. It's so good to have you. So how long are you actually in Australia for on this little break? Uh, four months is what I've been in Australia for. I'm at the tail end of my break. And um, so my furlough, which is um, time where I've been able to raise support and um, connect in with people and see family and friends. So I have um, just a couple of weeks left before I fly out again. So. Oh, that's yeah. great. And I yeah. saw that you got to uh, see some of your friends, good friends' weddings whilst you were here. So it was a very good time to come back to Australia, yeah. wasn't it? Yes, it was a great time to be able to be back in Australia and just just to be able to connect in with people and to be able to go to friends' weddings. And, yeah, it's always the things that you miss out on. But um, I'm thankful and um, thanking Jesus for being able to be a part of that right now um, here in Australia. So, yeah. That's great. So some of our listeners may not know what uh, a missionary is. So can you tell us a bit about what a missionary does and what led you to become a missionary and move to Africa? Sure, sure. So um, just like a definition of um, a missionary um, is, um, and it's it's a biblical term, and so it's from Matthew 28, uh, verse 19 to 20, and you can also find it throughout other parts of the Bible. And a missionary is someone who simply believes that they're called by Jesus to go out and to do his work um, throughout all the nations. So um, for me, being a missionary, it's something that um, I became four years ago, um, and it's something that I think um, we are all called to when we uh, when we know Jesus and we when we know who He is in our lives. Um, 
And so for me, yeah, that became when I started my journey um, going to Africa and um, I believed that I was called to do something bigger in my life. Um, when I first went to, to Africa, um, that was actually back in 2007 when I very first went to Africa um, and that's when I knew that I, was, I needed to do something bigger in my life than just stay in Australia. So I think um, in a shortened term of, you know, the definition of what a missionary is, that's someone, you know, who just goes out and who knows, you know, who can go out to all nations and um, to be able to be that person. And that can be um, locally, that can be um, globally, and that can be, you know, um, wherever you might be um, in the world. So, yeah. Great. So why, what led you to Africa? You said you went in 2007. So what took you there the first time? Yeah. So the first time I went, it took me on a short-term mission trip, which um, a mission trip with um, the church that I go to. Um, and so it took me um, there uh, with with um, a group of people and we went for three weeks. And um, and I just knew straight after that when I got back from t- in 2007 that um, I needed to go and I needed to do more in my life. Um, and so, yeah, it was it was part of the church that was bringing me there first. So what sort of stuff did you do during that first trip that yep. you did as a group? So in the, first, in the very first trip, we went to Tanzania and we also went to Kenya. So in Tanzania, we were working with um, a group of people um, up in the foothills of Kilimanjaro. And then oh. um, when we were in Kenya, we went to um, uh, the Kibera slums, so one of the world's largest slums. So we spent time there and did work with the women and we worked with people and children um, all those years ago. So, yeah. And so when you decided that uh, you felt the calling to be in Africa, um, what made you decide to go to um, Arusha and the Joshua Foundation? Uh-huh. Yep. So um, I was not always with the Joshua Foundation, but I ended up moving across to the Joshua Foundation. Um I had known about the Joshua Foundation for quite some time and I've known who they are. Um, and just through a lot of prayer and just seeking God, um, I believed that that's where I was meant to be. And um, the Joshua Foundation, um, I can tell you a little bit about them. Yes, um, please. They, they are um, founded by uh, a, a couple named Linda and Alan Stevenson and they went across to Africa in 1988 um, and they had a, a vision to be able to set up and to train um, people, like nationals, to become leaders with integrity. Um, wow. They've set up a, um, a teacher's training college, and they now have two schools. The Joshua School of Rusha is their second school, and um, they work with we work with children, um, and we have um, a class classes that are, are smaller sized. Um, so yeah, we have. Um, we, we do a lot with with what we're doing. So, and what's your role personally at the Joshua Foundation in Arusha? Yep. yep. So my role personally within the Joshua Foundation is um, is to be working with uh, with the with teachers um, over the last two years, which is how long I've been there for. Um, it's been that I've I've been a university student through Australia as well, so I've been studying um, via distance. And I've also been able to, um, in the interim, been working with uh, uh, with our children in um, in classrooms, um, and that's specifically with preschool. Um, and when I go back this time, I'll be able to work with uh, people who are um, 
our teachers and I'll be training them up more in education. So education in within the Joshua Foundation is a holistic approach to education. So it's yeah. it's learning um, and it's it's integrating um, people into the culture. So yeah. And you're on the Spirit Lounge where we've been talking to Carly who's been working as a missionary in Africa and is going to be going back in a couple of weeks. Carly, can you say what what are the um, biggest challenges that you face working in Africa? Yep, some of the biggest challenges um, over the years uh, living in Africa have been um, simple things like power. Um, that at times we have a lack of power, which can be um, a little bit challenging when um, when you're trying to do university via distance. Um, wow. That's just one of the uh, the, the challenges. Um, some of the other challenges are, uh, within the early stages um, have been the language barrier. Um, the local language is spoken um, is Swahili, and at times um, through mis- interpretation or just through um, you know not understanding or not enough words um, the language can sometimes be a little bit of a challenge so you, um, but, you speak Swahili uh, yes I do I speak enough to get by but I still need to improve um, so yeah they, I mean those challenges can always be overcome and you know you want to make sure that um, you know you're, you're trying to overcome the challenges and so it's just um, continuing to work at them and um, and not giving up so yeah so, Carly, what goals do you have, um, like, working at the Joshua Foundation or just being in Africa as a missionary in general? What do you want to get out of it in the end? Yep, yep. So, um, in the end, my ultimate goal is to serve God um, with all that I have. And so that's my whole purpose of being there. My whole goal is to follow what I believe my calling is, and that's to be a missionary. Part, part of my other goal, which is more of a... Um, a like uh, on a on a non uh, bigger scale is um, and a more day to day scale is that um, I my goal is to work with the local Tanzanian teachers and children, particularly teachers, being able to train them um, within uh, early childhood and to be able to equip them and empower them um, for the future. Um, my also my part of my my goal, which has been more of a short term goal, has been to finish my university degree as well, um, and just to integrate myself into the African culture. And um, and to just be yeah, just to be really able to um, adapt and to be a part of the culture um, and to live as part of that. So they've been my goals, um, long term and short term. So yeah. do you do you see yourself living in Africa for for a long for a long time? Um, yes, I do. I see myself living in Africa for the next five to eight years, um, at least, and um, or until I feel like you know my calling is up. But yeah, the calling is definitely a long-term calling um, that that I believe I'm called to be in Africa for. So, and yeah. The sorry. So the Arusha. Um, so is Arusha the the name of the town, or I wasn't. Yep, it's right. the name of the city. Yep, city. Yep. And you, sure is, yes. And so you see yourself yep. sta- staying in the one place or pa- possibly in other parts of Tanzania? Uh, yeah, at this, pl- at this point, um, yeah, probably being in Arusha um, and however that looks, um, I can definitely see myself being with the Joshua Foundation for um, the next few years at least. So, yeah, yeah, so that's, um, that's definitely something that I can see. So this question is kind of aimed towards the the kids that you work with uh, mm-hmm. at the Joshua Foundation. So the type of ed- education and um, yeah education that they get there. How would you compare that to education in Australia? Is it on par, or do you find that there are differences? Yep. 
Yep, there there are definitely differences. And um, within the Joshua Foundation, we are um, actually a training and model school. So um, so our teachers and our classroom sizes are smaller, so therefore the children are getting um, really quality education. Um, I would say that there, there are a lot of differences, but there are also a lot of similarities as well um, in the way that our teachers are trained um, through our college as well. Um, our, our children come from the local village and they also come from town, so we get a mix of children. Um, and so there, there are so many, there are so many teachers that come, um, so, so so many children that come from from all over. Um, over Arusha, and and they come from Muslim families. They come from um, Christian families. They come from like interdenominational families as well. Um, we also, I would say that um, our education within the Joshua Foundation for our school, because it is a model school, we have um, teachers that are training, and they come to us for training. Um, and we have they're, they're from government schools and non-government schools. They come for um, a week at a time, and they are trained through us. They watch what we do, and then they. They take that information and they take what they've learned back into their own community and then they start training that through um, with the people there as well. And are you... Um, sorry. Yep. Yeah, no, you're right. Yep, yeah, go. I was just going to ask, are you, um, you individually, are you working at um, primary or secondary level or what sort of ages yep. uh, are you um, my, the, the age that I work with is uh, early childhood, actually. Uh-huh. So um, that's preschool, so or actually nursery right through to preschool and class one at times as well. So I'm working um, with yeah with that the younger group of children. Um, but we do our school is is equipped for um, nursery right through to class six. So it's just primary school. Um, and so, so do and do a yep. lot of people then go on to secondary education elsewhere. Yes, yes. Many children do go on to secondary education. Um, some will go to government schools, which the government schools often have 60 to 70 children in a class at one time. Wow. Um, and some will go off on to private schools um, if they can afford it. Other children may just go off and do, um, test, you know, uh, like a uh, go and, and, and create a small business or um, maybe they might go and work for somebody in someone's house, um, depending on what where they're at and um and uh if they if they decide to go on or not so yeah. uh, is the school quite cultural obviously you're from australia are there other people from other countries as well that teach at the school or are you yep. kind of like the lone <laughs> the lone ranger. No, no, I'm not the lone the lone ranger. I um I work with um a diverse range of people from uh, a lot are from New Zealand and some are from um, America. So the team that I work with, um, or that the Joshua Foundation has of Westerners, there are about ten people. Um, and so mo- there's mostly Australians and New Zealanders, but there's um, a couple of um, Americans in there as well. We also have about fifty uh, local workers um, who also. So, you know, they all work with us as well. So That's great. And so is the work that you do there paid or do you, do you have to rely on support from back here? Yep. Um, it's all it's all support based. So none of it's paid. It's all um, yeah, all support based. Um, that I that I come back and I raise support through churches and through friends and family, um, and that's been part of my role this time coming back um, to be able to raise that support again to get back there. So yeah. And do you think that like if you did come back to Australia in five to eight years that you would continue teaching Australian kids, or is there something else that you maybe want to move into later? 
Gosh, <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, there's some, there's a few things in the in the thoughts or the pipeline of what I could possibly do, which maybe would be to work more with uh, um, a diverse range of um, of people who maybe migrate into Australia. Um, I'm not really sure. I haven't really planned that far ahead. Sorry, and... pop that one out on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's okay. No problem. So yeah, it's um it, it may be that, or it may be that I would end up teaching in a school again I'm not entirely sure I haven't I haven't planned that far ahead in my future yet so <laughs> yeah we'll that's okay we brings. forgive you for that I haven't even <laughs> planned what I'll be doing next week oh so that's okay you've no got, problem you've got your life set pretty well so <laughs> yeah. Carly if people wanted to find out more about what you're doing in Africa, where can they find out more information? Yep, so if, if you'd like to know more about what I do, then um, I have a Facebook page, so my name is Carly Greening, so, um, and it's it's under Carly Greening's Tanzanian Times, um, and so that gives you a little bit of information on what I do, um, and it has photos and things. Um, also, you can look up um, the Joshua School of Rusha, which is also connected to Facebook. Um, you can go ahead and like our page, and you can find out Um, specifically what we do through the Joshua Foundation if you'd like to know more information. Yeah. Awesome. We'll we'll put up links to those on our our blog and our Facebook page. Yes. Sounds great. People will be able to find information and be able to contact you if they would like to. So thank you so much for coming on our show and sharing with us tonight, Carly. No worries. Thank you very much for having me. So it's been great to be able to share a little bit of the heart of what I do all the way over in Africa. So thanks for having me on tonight. Well, we wish you you all the best traveling back to Africa as well. Great. Thanks so much. So you're on the Spirit Lounge on Joy 94.9. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.